Hello, friends. This is your captain speaking, just coming to you with a quick content warning. Today, we'll be discussing grief, including the deaths of loved ones. Grief can be a complicated emotion, and we just want to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. So if that means sitting this pod out or taking breaks when you need to, please do what you need for your own self-care. Thank you. are the voyages of the starship Therapies, its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. I'm sad, because our tour is coming to a close. We boldly went, but now we're just boldly done? Oh, you mean because this is our last episode of the season and we're taking a break for the Earth and Summer? Sir, we agreed that a podcast season with 24 episodes plus bonuses was quite enough indeed. The crew, including us, I think, desperately needs some shore leave. I know, it's... It's just so hard when things end. But nothing is ending, sir. Just like you talked about last ep, the caterpillar becomes the butterfly. Our first season becomes our second season. You just have to go through some cocoon time first. You could go get a massage. You love a massage. I do. You can devote hours to your vocal exercises. That's true. And I promise that we'll still talk. Every day? Yes, every day. Okay, I'm ready to start the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I am so very unbelievably, unequivocally ready to take a break. Hmm. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Sir, do you think that maybe you are already feeling a bit sad? Why? No. Well, sir... Fine. (sighs) Well, listeners... um. While, while it is true that we got a bit off track on our podcast recording because of uh, Spock's Vulcan laryngitis, we also got off track because of something happening in my personal life. And after much soul searching, I decided that I wanted to talk about it on the pod. Um, so take a breath, sit back, and prepare yourself for grief. <laughs> The final frontier. The final frontier. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially (laughs) in this case, you know. Especially in this case. Uh Um, Yes. So ordinarily um, in the therapist-client relationship, we don't share certain things with our clients uh, because the the time in session is is for them. And we want to make sure that we aren't pulling focus and making... Uh, a client's time about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But this is not psychotherapy. This is a podcast. Nope. So I can make it about me. <laughs> One of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I want to be mindful that even though this is a podcast relationship, uh, I'm okay. I just want to put that out there, that I have support, um, and if whatever I say brings up feelings for you, that's okay. You can have those feelings, um, but it, please don't spend time worrying about how I'm doing. I, I'm i taking care of myself, so I just want to put that out there. That's true. You're going to go on shore leave and get that massage. <laughs> yes, I am. You and, uh, you and Marlena. 
and we're going to make an appointment with Deanna Troy. <laughs> we might need several appointments with Deanna Troy. <laughs> I feel like we have just a lot of feelings to process. Yes, yeah, so many. About Zencaster, um, about the year 2019. Yeah. 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 So the year 2019 has not been kind to your captain. Um, what what has occurred is um, I I lost some close relationships. Um, I lost both of my beloved Pomeranians mm. um, to to heart disease, which was very sad and very difficult. Um, within a month of each other, and then very quickly on the heels of those losses, um, my mother passed away. Yeah. So I'm pausing just for a moment to let our listeners have a feeling because you're because you're having a feeling. Um it's it's impossible to hear news like that and not have some kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever that reaction may be is influenced by your own interactions and relationships with with those in your own life. Um right, and I think very much captain you're getting to one of the reasons that we wanted to to do this podcast is that grief and loss is something that impacts all of us. If grief and loss have yet to impact you, just hold tight. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not trying to be sort of like flippant or, or morbid about it, but but genuinely like just hold on because spoiler alert, it will. Right. Yeah. It it will. And whether or not it's happened in your IRL. Um, I would imagine that you've experienced grief and loss um, through parasocial relationships, through fandom attachments. Yeah. I mean, who can forget the loss of Albus Dumbledore? That was, that was a tough one. It was. That was rough. I I still remember standing in my aunt's kitchen right around the time the book came out and my cousin's cousin, who was not my cousin, but was my cousin's cousin, just like... (laughs) Just like apropos of nothing, like looked at me and was like, can you believe that Dumbledore died? And I was like, sir, I have not read the book. Oh, no. And so not only was I hit with the loss of like the great Albus Dumbledore, but I was also hit hit with the loss of like, well, I'm not discovering this organically. I just am getting walloped with it by Mm. my cousin's cousin. Oh, I, I do not care for your cousin's cousin, knowing nothing else about them. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, But not only is that sort of a shocking anecdote, I did want to share it because it it exemplifies, I think, one of often the hallmarks of grief, which is that there is a real unexpected shocking quality to grief. Um, I think even even when it's the case that we um, that maybe we know that the person that that we're about to lose. Maybe they've been dealing with a protracted illness. Maybe we've had time, we've, we have had time to say goodbye. Grief still has a way of surprising us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely does. And in my case, um, my, my mother had been ill for a while mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, in my case, my mother had been ill for a while and, Luckily, I had enough notice to be able to um, get home because I was in space um, right. and see her and spend spend some time with her. She, she was ill enough that she she wasn't able to interact with me, but I truly believe she knew that I was there. Um, but even with knowing, I mean, we, we knew she was actively dying. Um, but even knowing that, that nothing quite prepares you for the reality. Mm-hmm. Same with my beloved Pomeranian, Charlie. Right. Yeah. Um, we we had known his heart disease was going to take him within a year or two. But man, it just you just d- never expect that it's going to be that day. Yeah. No. Right. We're just... We're just going about life and all of a sudden, wham, here's something completely unexpected. Yeah. Particularly in that case, because it you had been managing it for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, and chronic illness, including when it's degenerative, you know, you 
something that I think we'll probably spend a bit more time on in future pods is that, you know, with, with chronic illness that you have to sort of stay on top of it because it's chronic. Um, it's mm-hmm. not like you're just going to go away, but if you stay on top of it and you figure out kind of how to, how to be with it and the supports you need around it, you and, and, or, you know, your like close friend or family member, like it's possible to have a, a really rich full life and there will be not just moments, but like in some cases, like days at a time where you go and you just, you maybe don't think so much about the illness. You, you just, you're in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We gave him his meds every day, but we, we were just living life. Yeah. And uh, with Bella, that was completely unexpected. We didn't even know she was sick. So that unexpected grief is kind of its own monster. Mm-hmm. Because it's it all hurts, right. um, but but the shock adds another layer. Yeah, and in and in your case, sir, I mean you you got to kind of experience the some real like key forms of of uh, grief and all of its permutations pretty much back to back. Right, like there really it, there really weren't a lot of gaps for you there where there wasn't any downtime. It was quite it was quite a domino. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was pretty rough and and there were some other there were some other griefs scattered in there that i won't go into Mm -hmm. um because they are other people's stories and not mine Mm -hmm. but yeah 2019 was pretty rough and there were a few things we wanted to talk about to bring this up not just to shine a light on how 2019 has been hard for your captain um but how this can be useful for you. Mm-hmm. So, so some of the things we wanted to touch on today, um, spend a little bit of time on the five stages of grief, mm-hmm. which you may also know by its other name, the Kubler-Ross model. And I want to spend a little bit of time um, talking about parasocial relationships. Right. So that's so that's where we're headed. If, if you were worried, if you're like, is this just going to be... <laughs> A whole ep of Justine's sorrows. Um, they'll be in there. They'll be in there. But for it's sure. not the whole ep. No. <laughs> There's more going on here in this this tapestry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so let, let's jump into the five stages of grief, because I think that's something that people are familiar with. They're at least familiar with that sure. concept because it's been so popularized in media. Mm-hmm. I think especially uh, when you are watching a TV show and I think specifically of um, the OC. Wow. I did not think you were going there. That's where I went. Well, here That's we are. where I went. In California. Yep. Here we come. Yep. Here we come. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or rather, here we are. Yeah, here we are in California. Um, if you did not watch the show, I recommend it. I really do. I think it is a delight. I um, I would add a bit of a caveat here. I would say that I would recommend season one. Hmm. And if you wanted to continue <laughs> into season two, you certainly could. And it, it's it has some high points. I think after season two... Not great. <laughs> Real uh, not great. But you know, agree to disagree. I think it's beautiful trash. Mm. But the reason <laughs> I bring it up, yes, is if you if you do plan to watch the OC and you are concerned about spoilers, you may want to pause this. Anyone else? This show is not new. No. So. <laughs> No, um, no, it was on yeah. when I was back in uh, Vulcan High School. Oh my god! Oh, get me my cane and my. <laughs> well, you know, since since this is an episode about about your many griefs, Captain, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure to throw in <laughs> your grief around aging. <laughs> Thank you for that, Spock. That was um, that was thoughtful, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just really allowed me to. F- to feel more allowed me to emote. Mm. Um, yeah, so this show that was on when Spock was in high school. Uh, what was interesting about this show um, 
is that they had a major character death. And mm. yes, that major character death happened because of a contract dispute between the actor and the show. And the actor should have, in retrospect, really should have stayed in talks um, because her career did not take off. Um, no, it did not. Misha should have stayed. Yeah, agreed. Um, because but, now Misha Barton is on the reloaded version of The Hills. Oh, no. With with Spidey and Audrina and her ex-boyfriend, The Face. Okay, I don't understand any of the words that you just said. Um, but it's okay. it's, <laughs> honestly, it's you've been through enough this year. <laughs> I don't need to go there, too. You don't need to go here, too. Best not to know. I'll hold this one. Okay, great. Um, so on on the OC, they had um, they had this character. Uh, oh, what the fuck was her name on the show? Uh, the ir- the irritating one, Marissa Marissa Cooper. Oh yeah, yeah, Marissa Cooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but her friend Summer called her Coop, which I thought was cute. It was cute. I, it was cute. I was going to say it was I like nicknames. Yeah, no. it was Coop. The scoop, mm-hmm. um, and she she dies. Marissa Cooper, mm-hmm. um, she she's in a car accident with a abusive boyfriend. So I mean, it, it, there's some pretty serious themes here. Um, but the reason I brought this up in the five stages of grief is there is a great scene on the show where Summer. Um, Coop's best friend is dealing with her grief mm-hmm. and it just shows her in therapy going through the five stages of grief, like in a row. Wow. That's very literal. Yeah. It's super literal, but I really enjoyed it because I, I mean, how else narratively are you going to get over this grief and move on with the story? Because in real life, you don't just go through the stages of grief and move on with the story. No. You move on with the story with the grief hanging on. Yeah. And they needed a way to keep it going. Well, and you know, sure. they would they would they would bring Coop up now and then, you know, major life events. They'd be like, Oh, it's sad that she's not here. Um and then you but- know, Summer would apply more lip gloss. Make a sassy support to Cohen, um, and they would they would carry on. Um, mm-hmm. In case folks are not familiar with the five stages, I want to like briefly pause and shout them out. Uh, I was hoping you would yep. because you have written. I wouldn't say extensively on the subject, but you have written on the subject, and it has been very well received in reviews. That's true. Um, you and I both contributed to the recent release, The Psychology of Zelda, Linking Our World mm-hmm. to the Legend of Zelda series. Um, you and I wrote a chapter together on uh, post-traumatic growth, which you know I think also kind of delve, dovetails with this idea of grief. But then I, along with my two other fabulous co-writers, Stephen and Carrie, wrote on the five stages of grief proper and really looked at Majora's Mask. Um, mm-hmm. So listeners, if you haven't checked that out and this is sort of piquing your interest, I, I think it's definitely kind of wor- worth uh, taking a read. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, to bringing us back to the Kubler-Ross model, the five stages are denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and finally acceptance. And as the captain was saying, while um, Summer moves through these five stages just one at a time in a wonderful linear uh, fashion, in fact, I think the, the most common experience with the five stages of grief is that you cycle through them multiple times. Um, mm-hmm. not necessarily in any particular order. Um, but, but one of sort of the, the through lines here is that each time you go through a revolution, you're often able to hang out in acceptance a bit longer. And really the eventual goal is to keep kind of feeling your feelings, keep moving through the grief, letting it come kind of like waves on an ocean. And then finally kind of being able to get to a point where for the most part, you have reached a place of acceptance of the loss and are able to kind of stand and ground in the letting go. Um, 
of course, while also holding the knowledge that there's going to be times that a wave is going to kind of like rise up from the depths of grief and just wallop you over the face and you're going to feel it all over again. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yep. So, so in media, they, they show it as these five stages that you just kind of go through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not at all like that. It's not a straight line. No. It's a, it's a wibbly wobbly, timey wimey line. Right. More like a Jeremy Baramy. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, going through these stages myself, mm-hmm. I, I'm in different places with my different losses. Yeah. You know, um, and it is hard when you have multiple reasons for grief. And, you know, we're talking about grief in the sense of loss of loved ones, but that's not the only reason that we grieve. We grieve over loss of experiences, loss of, um, you know, loss of childhood we wish we had had mm-hmm. or parents we wish we had had or relationships that end, nobody dies, just a relationship ends. There there are all kinds of reasons why we grieve. Sure. It's not just that we grieve over death. Um, and so each time a new grief happens, it, it can tap into that old grief and, and we might feel that old stuff again. Mm-hmm. And so if it's sort of like, um, so I'm going to bring in another, you know what, for the season finale, it's no holds barred, all the fandoms I want to bring up. <laughs> That's right. So for all of you who have let us know that sometimes we we overpack our apps with references, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> buckle up. Here they come. Mm-hmm. Um, although, here we go. <laughs> although... Uh, Spock, you did already mention Harry Potter, so I'm really just returning to a fandom you already mentioned. Sure, sure. Um, but I think of Dementors and I think of Thestrals. So I don't, uh, Thestrals I don't, are the, I was going to say, I don't remember Thestrals. So Thestrals are the horse-type creatures that pull the carriages, and only oh, people right. who've experienced, basically who've experienced grief or it seems like trauma um, sure. can see them. Yeah. So it, and then Dementors, you know, the more shit you got, the more they've got to feed on. Sure. Um, so they I, are in many ways, the personification of a PTSD trigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. Um, so the more of this stuff that comes up, the more of these creatures kind of are hanging around. Yeah. And how how do we manage them? Well, we do, we do what Harry does, and we get support. And that's why I mentioned at the top of the show to please not spend a lot of time worrying about how I'm doing because I have that support. And it's not that that support just happened. I cultivated it mm-hmm. over time from being overrun with Thestrals and Dementors right? Um, and found that community. And if you haven't found that community and support yet, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Where, where else can you look for support? Do you have some fandom attachments you can look to for support? You know, is it going to help you to reread Harry Potter mm-hmm. and, and put yourself in, that therapeutic fan fiction mind space of what would Harry do? And if I, if I embodied Harry right now, what, what would that mean? What would that look like? Yeah. It's like, this is making me think of something that is perhaps not directly related, but tangentially related. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is another fandom. It's um, Bojack Horseman. I don't think you've ever watched that show. Have you, sir? No, I've I've seen uh, I've seen memes, but I've never watched the show. Well, memes are certainly not going to cut it, but that's okay. Um, I love you anyway. <laughs> well, I I've seen a really good meme though. It's the one with no, like the, no, the runner gonna, no. over him. Sure, I'm stop you right there. That's a, it's a good meme, but it's not the same. Um. 
fine. But anyway, I actually, I was going to talk about running. <laughs> running is a theme that comes up a lot in BoJack Horseman. Um, and one of the things that we learn as we sort of follow BoJack's arc is that he himself has spent much of his life running from his feelings, in particular feelings of grief and loss. Hmm. He does not want to be with sadness. He does not want to be with death. He does not want to remember these things, partly because there has been so much loss in his life. Um, you certainly don't learn that right away about him, but as the show goes on, you do. Um, and so he kind of goes to all different kinds of supports and quotation marks um, to help him get away from feeling the feelings. Um, running is one, drugs and alcohol are another, fame is a very fickle friend that he turns to quite a bit. Um, and I think that this is this isn't part of like the technically the five stages of grief model, though maybe it could sort of fall under bargaining a bit. But I, I have to say that like both in my own personal life and in my work with folks, this comes up a lot, especially when it has to do with the feeling of grief and, and sadness too, um, which certainly belongs there. That I think for many of us, we don't we don't want to feel this feeling. Mm -mm, it's gross. It's it it sort of physically feels heavy. It weighs mm -hmm. us down. Sadness is, I think, one of the most, um, it requires the most energy to feel, which to, like, to put another way, it's kind of an energy suck. Like mm -hmm. we will, I will often work with folks and they will realize that they're feeling sad, not so much because they're crying, but because they just feel tired. Yeah. They just feel so worn down and they, they go to do these things that they're, they're used to being able to do with the, sometimes the greatest of ease. But but they just, they don't have the energy for it. And they, they go, they're going to different activities that they once enjoyed and the enjoyment is not there. And they just, they, but they keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and running and running and running because they don't want to feel the loss. Mm -hmm. But as the captain knows so well, you can't sustain that run forever. No, you can't. And that's that's such a beautiful segue. I know you didn't intend it to be, but <laughs> it's a beautiful segue into um, the parasocial relationship stuff we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, because, again, I'm going to be doing some disclosure today. Um, no nothing that you couldn't discover with a simple Google search. <laughs> and perhaps um, some of you already have. Perhaps some of you listened to our, our, our uh, what, what did I do? I did like a little monologue when I explained that I had laryngitis, which I, I definitely did. But perhaps some of you were like, huh, Spock has been very sick before and still recorded. Um, <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> that is true. That's very true. When you have severe asthma, that's just going to be true. It's just kind of part of life. It's part of how you, you cope with chronic illness. So perhaps some of you were like, huh, I don't know. This seems a little strange. And some of you intrepid sleuthers went on the Google and were like, hmm, something's happening at the, in that starship. <laughs> yeah. And what, what you would discover is that um, my my mother was a quite well-known person in my hometown, in my community. Mm -hmm. um, my father was as well. He passed away in 2009. Uh, the, they were both larger-than-life figures in my community. And what that meant for me was that I was thrust in the spotlight, which I didn't want. <laughs> and... Um, what it meant after both of their deaths was that not only did I have to manage my own feelings, mm -hmm. um, but I needed to kind of do a little bit of that running you're talking about. Um, and it wasn't so much that I was purposely not trying to feel the feelings. It's that I, did, I couldn't feel the feeling yet right? because I'm going to have to put on a public show mm -hmm. for the community um and and also i think hold space for the community's own feelings of grief mm -hmm. it related yeah, to their I, relationship slash parasocial relationship with your parents mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so you know we talk about fandom attachments and parasocial relationships when we talk about them we tend to talk about fictional characters but you can form a fandom attachment with a real live person mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you think about, you know, the shows that you love, don't you also feel some attachment to the actor who plays that character? Or if you love true crime the way that I do, which you're learning so much about me today, you know, it's just sort of like no holds barred. Um, <laughs> it's like your own personal forensic files. <laughs> uh, Dateline, please. Sure. Um, Fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Dateline fan. Oh, and while while I'm giving shout outs and just being no holds barred today, if you have not listened, if you are a Dateline fan, mm-hmm. or even if you're not, if you like true crime, listen to the podcast, A Date with Dateline. It is fucking delightful. It is two women spouting off about Dateline, much like uh, Spock and I spout off about psychology. And it's just delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point in bringing all that up is if I were to meet Josh Mankiewicz in real life, he's one of the uh, journalists on Dateline, I'd be like, holy crap, Josh Mankiewicz. Like, he's a person. Right. And you don't, you don't <laughs> actually know the person, Josh Mankiewicz right you know no, I, we are we follow each well i follow him on twitter and he's interacted with me on twitter but no we don't know each other in no. real life you you have interacted in more of kind of a professional a social professional capacity you certainly know a side of him like the side that he mm-hmm. portrays on on television and so you you do have a real emotional connection to him that exists and you feel it and it's there um and and by no means do we want to diminish your personal experience with Josh or anyone's parasocial relationship with Josh, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there is a difference, and I said personal just now about your relationship, but I really meant parasocial, but there's an important difference between a parasocial relationship and an actual IRL personal relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's really important as fans that we understand the difference and that we respect the boundaries between these two distinct relationships. Um, because when we don't, Things can get a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this, I can speak from personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when my father passed away, uh, it, that was before I decided to change careers from being a little business lady to working in the wellness world. I know. I had this whole life before we met. Um, mm-hmm. did. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's weird, right? Um <laughs> So I didn't know what I know now, um, and I may have behaved differently, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, What did happen was I felt a responsibility to hold space for everyone who was having feelings about the loss of my father. Right. Um, And I have this very distinct memory because there, there were many occasions where this sort of thing happened, but this one just stuck so much because it was so... It was so much this, you know, mm-hmm. clearly this, this was a parasocial relationship. Right. Um, I went to the pharmacy uh, to pick up something uh, and the pharmacist was crying about my dad. And I felt a responsibility to hold that person's feelings, even though I had lost my father. Right. And they had lost whoever my father was to them. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about the importance of fandom attachments. And I do absolutely believe that they're very important. And we need to be also mindful that if these are real people with whom we have an attachment, they are not only what we imagine them to be and what we see them to be. Mm -hmm. You know, my my father was a flawed human being, like all like all people, right. um, and that pharmacist didn't know any of that story. No. Um, and I think, uh, I think you see this quite a lot in the supernatural fandom. Um, this was quite on display. A couple of years ago, when Jared Padalecki was open about his um, depression and that he was experiencing some suicidality, um, I I heard through you know 
Tumblr or whatever outlet it came out in, uh, that some fans were giving him their razor blades as a way to say, thank you, you've inspired me to stop Mm self-harming, which, I mean, what a beautiful sentiment, you have inspired me to stop self-harming. But handing a razor blade to someone who has expressed their own suicidality. Right, and who themselves struggles with clinical depression. Right. Is is insensitive because you're not mm-hmm. holding space for their their own personal separate individual experience as a human being. You are interacting with Sam, um, who's actually not Sam. He's Jared Padalecki, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're right. interacting with Sam Winchester Moose, <laughs> and and he may be this very profound and important relationship that that is in your life and that helps you and that works as a, as, as a guide and a helper kind of on your hero's journey as you've been battling with depression. And here's the thing, that's all real. Mm-hmm. And important. And important, but it's not the same, like that person that you see who helps you, who guides you, that is not, that, that person is not equivalent to Jared Padalecki. Mm-hmm. And it like and it's easy to get confused because you know they have the same amazing lustrous locks for sure. <laughs> um, but it's it's not. But Jared wears hats. Exactly, Jared wears hats, and Moose wouldn't do that. Moose likes to let it fry, fly free. <laughs> this like brings us naturally to another another fandom and another story. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. We're just, I love how we're no holds barred today. Right. Well, and actually this is like, this is not really mine to tell. This is, this is yours, but that I wanted to set up. And this has to do with a very fateful um, packet of tissues. Oh, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, this is mine. Um, <laughs> thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, <laughs> no, but really. <laughs> That sounded like I was being an ass, but like, really, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So as um, as I sat with my mom as she was um, leaving this plane of existence, mm-hmm. um, I I got rather weepy, as one would in right. that s- situation, um, and I grabbed for a pack of tissues out of my backpack and who was the face on this pack of tissues looking back at me it was batman and let me explain very briefly why i had batman tissues in my backpack not i mean some of you are like that makes complete sense i understand but uh (laughs) in case there's a question mark there uh most folks have heard me speak or write or take pictures and emote loudly um, the art of Jay Salvador, um, which he calls super emo friends. And Jay's work are these just amazing little cartoons of our favorite fandom characters. And then underneath them, they look sad, by the way, and underneath them is what they're sad about. So, you know, I have I have a sad looking Gizmo the Mogwai mm-hmm. saying, I I want a bath. Right. <laughs> but he can't take a bath because he can't get wet. Right. He'll never have a and bath. He'll never know what that's he'll like. Ne- he'll never know what that's like. The glory and, of a bath know, bomb. Mm, he'll never know. He'll never know. Yeah, that's worth being sad about. And then, you know, I have a sad Chewbacca that says, where's my medal? Damn right. Why didn't he get a medal? Mm-hmm. So you get you get the idea. Um, I highly... Look at you, George Lucas. Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Why didn't Chewie get a medal? Um, so I, as I'm just, you know, no holds barred today, I highly recommend you look up Jay's work too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a book, A Decade of Depression, which I wrote the introduction to. So there's, I'm just pitching shit all over town today. Um, so uh, Larissa and I got the chance to see Jay at Emerald City Comic Con and I always like to stop and see him anytime we're at the same convention. And in addition to having this art that he does, he also makes little packs of tissues that have his buddies on them, which mm-hmm. I think is fucking inspired. Um, I keep bugging him to make a tissue cozy that I can just have in my office. 
I realize that's more expense. <laughs> Maybe I'll make it myself. Um, but he handed us some tissues to take while we were visiting his booth. And I didn't even, you know, I just said, thank you. I was appreciative and put it in my backpack, didn't even look to see what it was. So fast forward to uh, my mother's deathbed. Um, I pull out these tissues and who is staring back at me, but sad Batman. Mm -hmm. And what is Batman sad about? My parents are dead. Yeah. And it hit me very hard in that moment that while I knew, intellectually, I knew that if my father had already died and my mother was dying, that I would soon not have parents. But it hadn't reached me on a visceral, emotional heart level. Yeah. And looking at Sad Batman and reading those words, while it hit me viscerally and it was hard and sad and all these feelings, I also had this very profound moment, and this is the power of fandom, that I, I said to myself, you're not going to be an orphan. You're going to be Batman. And I was able to make that shift from imagining myself as, you know, sad orphan girl, which, I mean, even though I am almost 40 years old, you know, thinking about a life without your parents brings up images of, you know, being Oliver Twist. Uh <laughs> sure, wanting more gruel and all that. Right. But no, I, I'm not Oliver Twist. I'm fucking Batman. You sure you sure are, sir. Mm-hmm. And and that gave me a lot of strength and power. And I, I snapped a, a photo of my tissues and sent them immediately <laughs> to Spot. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I did something very similar to what I'm doing right now. I proceeded to start just weeping. Um, <laughs> uh because because um in addition to being a Vulcan, I have a lot of very strong feelings. <laughs> that's <laughs> why logic is so important it, it helps me cope with all of them um mm -hmm. but it was i mean you're right and, and hearing you talk again like it 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 is making me tear up again and it is because it is it is so profound and the way that you used fandom attachment that you used batman to come from a place of strength including in a time of such overwhelming grief and loss mm-hmm And while feeling grief and loss is not fun by any means, one of the things that I do often talk about um, with both like, you know, friends and clients, because grief and loss is quite frankly everywhere, is this idea mm -hmm. that when we allow ourselves to be in it, to feel it, we are opening ourselves up to these profound moments of realization, you know, if you hadn't, if you hadn't gotten weepy, if you hadn't then like reached down to get a tissue, you would not have seen sad Batman. You needed to let yourself mm -hmm. get to a place of real sadness in order to realize, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not this thing that I'm afraid of becoming that I'm running from. I'm not going to turn into like little orphan Annie or like Oliver Twist. <laughs> Pick your sad orphan friends. There's a lot out there in, in literature and film. <laughs> Yes. You were like, I'm not going to become any of those people. I'm going to become motherfucking Batman. Mm hmm. And you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. And it, and it really helped me. Mm -hmm. And it, and it was this moment of levity too. Yep. Um, because my, um, my surrogate sister was, was with me during much of this. And I, at one point, things were very dark and sad. Mm -hmm. And I just turned to her and I said, do you want to see something dark but funny? <laughs> and she said yes. And I pulled out the tissues and we just both lost our shit and we're crying and laughing. And mm -hmm. there, something that I think gets lost a lot of the time is that there is humor in all of this. Oh, God, yeah. There's so much humor and sadness when you let yourself feel the sadness. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and it's okay to laugh and it's important to mm. laugh. Hell yes. Because laughter helps you let it helps you let some of it go. Mm-hmm. And it reminds yeah. you that and this is something that I know we talked about a little bit in our hero's journey two part up, right? This idea that this this idea that dualities are separate is a human construct. Mm-hmm. In fact, dualities are intermingled. To be alive is to be with all of it, right? The mm-hmm. like the the joy and the pain, the ugly and the beautiful, the messy and the and the and the clean, right? All like all of it. And when you're really in life, when you're really engaged in the moment, you are open to feeling all of it. You're open to really feeling and being in life to the fullest extent of what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we find ourselves trying to be binary, mm-hmm. we feel ourselves trying to be just one thing, that's that's an opportunity for self-inquiry. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's that about? Why do I want to be just this one thing? Yeah. Is is that mine or have I bought into a Westworld construct that doesn't serve me? Sure. Because look at Batman. Batman because... is both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yes, he is. <laughs> Cowled and uncowled. Right. <laughs> it's still the same human under the cowl. <laughs> We're not under the cowl, you know? <laughs> So, uh, final thoughts. I, I would, I would say thank you to our listeners for if if you decided that you felt up to listening to this app, like thank you for taking the time and for being open to something that's uncomfortable, um, and be be open to reaching out too, whether it's to another human being or. Um, who's a friend or a therapist or reaching out to fandom attachments um, the way that you see them. So reaching out to Sam Winchester, maybe not reaching out to Jared Padalecki, mm-hmm. although he seems lovely. Um, he's probably not going to give you back what you need the way Sam Winchester is. Right. I think Jared will be very polite and very friendly. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. <laughs> it, like it genuinely is. It's, it's genuinely nice. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's about kind of like bringing mindful attention to, okay, what, what am I, what can I expect from this human interaction? What, what do I want to bring? What am I hoping to receive? Um, and, and what do I need? Cause if what you really need is a helper and a guide, Sam Winchester is going to be there for you every time. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that he's always there. You don't have to go to a con to engage with him. You can do that literally right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he'll show up exactly the way you want him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same with Batman. You just pick your version of Batman. Maybe your version of Batman is rubber George Clooney Batman. And <laughs> I am not here to judge that. At mm-hmm. least not today. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. Not right now. <laughs> um, and then finally, before we wrap, I do kind of want to echo the captain's sentiments. Just a big thank you and just really want to express gratitude to to all of you as our as our listeners out there. Um, you absolutely have all been very patient with us these last couple of up drops. Um, and even without knowing what was wrong, even without knowing what was wrong, you were you were patient, you kind of you stayed the course, you rode the wave. Um, and that's kind of part of why we want to do this episode, too, is because we've now been doing this for a good chunk of time at this point. And, and some many of you have been there from the beginning. And so we felt like we felt like it was time to be maybe a little more open, maybe a little more vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks from all of us here. Yeah. And just because we're taking a break doesn't mean we aren't here for you. You can listen to an app at any time mm-hmm. and tap into our fandom attachment. Right. Um, and you can also interact with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We'll, we'll still be active on all the social meds while we're taking this much needed break for our own self-care. Mm-hmm.
So, Spock, what are terms that we discussed today? Oh, love some good terms. Um, we talked a lot about grief. Oh boy, did we ever. <laughs> we talked a lot about the five stages of grief, aka the Kubler-Ross model or the Kubler-Ross model, depending on... Who calls it the Kubler-Ross model? I don't know. I wanted to throw something out there. Um, <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Fair. Um, we talked a lot about parasocial relationships, aka fandom attachments. Um, and that's it. Yeah. And then for fandoms, we talked about the OC and uh, Batman, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Did we stick with three? No, Supernatural. Supernatural, Bojack Horseman. <laughs> and then there were there were a couple other like Easter eggs that we'll just leave in there. <laughs> okay. Just you got to find them. Yeah. Like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. Go catch them all. Okay. Yeah. We so appreciate y'all sticking with us uh, for this first season. We can't wait for season two. If there are topics that you want to hear about, please let us know yes. so that we can schedule them into the roster. Please do. Uh, yes. Because now we now that we have the summer to chill a bit, we can spend some time planning ahead. And if there's a topic you've been just wanting us to talk about or something you want us to elaborate on... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're like, uh, ep two about Westworld construct, I don't, I just, I want more Westworld construct. Cool. Let us know. We we're here. We're here to give you what you want. And friends, we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, who finally gets a well-deserved vacation. Whew, I think he's really looking forward to that. I think he is. (laughs) As I said, we will be active on our social media, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can support our podcast and make sure that we keep doing what we're doing is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And we will see you all in the fall. And as always, friends, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.